everyone. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Zach and Krista Horton, and uh, we're pretty formal and official today. We're actually recording in church clothes um, on a Sunday because we went to church today and haven't changed out of them yet. And uh, we're actually sitting at a desk, so this feels kind of... That makes us fancy. That makes us fancy. I thought you were going to say that you're excited, we're more formal, because your voice got deeper when you started that episode. Hey, everyone. (laughs) This week's study is Ether 1 through 5. I always thought I'd be a good radio personality, that I could... You yearn to have that job so you can... That's why we started the podcast, actually, is because that's like, I just want to be on the radio. (laughs) No, but we are really excited. This is um, one of my favorite... I've probably said that in a couple episodes. I think you have, actually, (laughs) every time. (laughs) This is one of my favorite stories uh, in the Book of Mormon, and uh, and we're excited to dive into it. Um, I do want to share a brief high. I know this is a week or a little bit over a week old, but... um, the high is Halloween costumes. We love dressing up for Halloween, and we're those uh, geeky adults that dress up with their kids. It's not geeky. Well, we don't think it is. We don't. Yeah. Anyway, um, but this year we dressed up um, very politically. Uh, Krista dressed up as President Trump, and I dressed up as Joe Biden. And um, I actually did post a little picture on our Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah, just a. Your Just costume was you. really good. Mine mine wouldn't have made sense without standing next to you. But No, we had it was a little rushed, but mine just turned out because I have a lot of bronzer to put on my skin and it looked really good. And anyway, a lot of hair to It's very relevant on. because of this crazy week that we have had with the elections <laughs> and everything going on. And the other plus side of our costume was that we were Biden and Trump. We came as a pair, so we had no political affiliation until I walked into the grocery store. Zach made me after we were dressed up. He's like, I don't want to go in the grocery store. And I went in. I was like, wait, who? We actually live in Pennsylvania. And so here we are. It's like, who's going to get more flack? Is it going to be Trump or Biden? Anyway, it was fun. It that was, was a high. Halloween is always a fun, a fun holiday. So anyway, we hope you are surviving that you survived your Halloween well, um, and then on to this week of political craziness and unrest and uncertainty. It has been, what a year it has been, mm. for sure. So anyway, I hope we hope that this finds you well. And like Zach said, today's study is Ether chapters one through five. He said it in his deep radio voice, yes. so I don't know if you caught that or not. <laughs> but here we are, um, and you know, we have... So much to say. As I was studying, I thought, wow, there's, we're not even going to touch hardly any of it, or there's so much good stuff in here. And then I thought, wait, that's, that's the point of what this podcast is, is we just like to talk about it, maybe hopefully help you get started in your study. But what's going to be amazing in these chapters for you is just the fact that they're just a great block of scripture for you to study and so relevant as has been so much this year. But, um, yeah, that's where we're going to start. You you know most likely about the brother of Jared. If you don't, you're going to find out, and it's going to be just a fun study for you this week and for today for us. So um, we're going to start out with a quote, and we have talked a lot this year about 
personal revelation. And not just us. We've quoted the prophet talking about personal revelation. So much has been said about, about that. And so to start off, we have this excerpt from President Nelson's talk in 2018. And he says, I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. For the Lord has promised that if thou shalt seek, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, that which bringeth joy, that which bringeth eternal life. Our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. But in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. Now, this was in 2018, and now here we are living through 2020 and seeing that we need this more than ever. Maybe not more than ever. We've always needed it, but especially now this spiritual survival, we see this prophecy coming coming to fruition, well, I mean, coming to truth. That's prophetic language. In coming days, that's a prophecy. President mm-hmm. Nelson is a prophet, which means he can prophesy. And so that's prophecy language. In 2018, he says, in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And then he says, after that, my beloved brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. He was. We were being warned and we were being prepared. And one of the things I've loved that we've heard from from the apostles and the prophets is that idea of we are not, even though we might be separated from people, we are not separated from the Lord, that we still have the same opportunity to stretch ourselves spiritually and to be prepared and to be guided by him. And these chapters are just some great ones to get you reinvigorated or um, even more ready than you already are, hopefully, And that, because I know that's what it's done for me as I've studied. And one of the things that we just love about these chapters is that it shows and illustrates the perfect examples of how we can ask and how we should be asking and also how God can communicate back to us. And I think that it really shows this great balance of that. Of both sides of revelation, both what we do to receive revelation, what the brother of Jared and others do to receive revelation. But it also very clearly illustrates how God provides that revelation, in what ways he answers our questions. So the beginning of all this, often we're going to study a lot in chapter two and chapter three, where we see a lot of this back and forth that we focus on a lot and which we love. But I wanted to kind of start this episode with the beginning of this. And we see Jared and the brother of Jared talking back and forth with each other and then also talking with the Lord to gain guidance for their people. This is in chapter 1, verse 38. And it came to pass that Jared spake again unto his brother, saying, Go and inquire of the Lord whether he will drive us out of the land. And if he will drive us out of the land, cry unto him whither we shall go. And who knoweth but the Lord will carry us forth into a land which is choice above all the earth. And if it so be, let us be faithful unto the Lord that we may receive it for our inheritance. I think that gives you an idea of the faith and the direction that these people are seeking. I love that line of, 
And who knoweth but the Lord will carry us forth into a land which is choice above all the earth. And maybe that's going to happen. And they're ready for the ride, but they are seeking inspiration as to how to do it. And that's the beginning of what we see of these people. And again, it's kind of that back and forth between um, Jared going to the brother of Jared and hearing a little bit about, about what they talk about. And then in chapter 2, we see some of this conversation happening many years before the main point of this story happens or the main point that we focus on with the building of the ships. And it says um, that the Lord came down and talked with the brother of Jared. And he was in a cloud and the brother of Jared saw him not. not. I liked, for me, I liked that because I thought there's, he has experiences with God Mm. many times before. And that's in chapter two. And then in verse 14 of chapter two, um, or in, in right before that, they come to the land and they, they live there for the space of four years. And they, it says they dwelt in tents and dwelt in tents upon the seashore for the space of four years. And this is verse 14. And it came to pass at the end of four years that the Lord came again unto the brother of Jared and stood in a cloud and talked with him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared and chastened him because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, it's hard to believe that a prophet, right, like the brother of Jared, would not be talking to to God during the whole space of four years, especially after being guided and directed so clearly before. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, Zach, what do you think about that? Well, I don't know if it's as much that he wasn't praying or communicating, but there's a difference between chapter one and chapter two. In chapter one, they have some external pressures and problems Mm -hmm. that they're actively crying out for relief or answer relief from or answer to. What the brother of Jared is being chastened for in, in verse 14 in chapter 2 is not calling upon the name of the Lord. He's not crying out. They've been four years in this land and maybe have found a place where there's peace and comfort and have thought that that was the end of their journey. In other words, God has so much more he wants to give them, but they have stopped calling out for his uh, guiding hand for his answers and so that's a familiar story i think for all mm-hmm. of us right um so that's really interesting but i i just love as the con- as that conversation continues ch- chapter 15 um the lord says i will forgive thee um anymore but he warns he says for you shall remember that my spirit will not always strive with man wherefore if you will sin until you're fully ripe you shall be cut off from the presence of the lord um but I'm also going to lead you, he says. And these are my thoughts upon the land, which I shall give you for your inheritance, where it shall be a land of choice above all other lands. And I think that's our invitation too. We need forgiveness. We need to talk with the Lord. We need to remember him. And remember that his spirit isn't always going to be with us. It's something that we need to do, but that that spirit is so important. I loved at the end of um, the introduction in Come Follow Me, In the Come Follow Me manual, it says, we may be surprised by what the Lord is willing to do for us. And as we've said, this is an example that we can follow. This is what the brother of Jared experienced. And we too can experience these opportunities to speak and receive guidance from the Lord. And so that's what we want to study as we move in. We see the preparation that happened. I wanted to share those because I thought it was just good to see the history of how he gets to this place where he can so communicate mm-hmm. with the Lord about the the ships that they're to build and how they're about to move. Um, 
But I think that we can really take this and say, how can I apply this as I seek for guidance and revelation? Well, it's a great question to ask. The first question, I think, as you point out, we're very quick to jump to the uh, incredible experience the brother of Jared has at the end of chapter two and beginning of chapter three. But it's a powerful question to ask ourselves as we study chapters one and the beginning of two. What does the brother of Jared do to put himself in a position to receive that kind of transcendent revelation that he gets in chapter three? And what do I need to do to put myself in a position to receive that kind of revelation? Whether it's calling upon the Lord or constant communication with him, um, that's a powerful question to ask ourselves as we study. So if that's the first part of the study, what do I need to do to put myself in a position to receive revelation? The second part of the study is what does God do once I'm there and in that position? What does the Lord do to provide that revelation? And I love this account because it's so specific and detailed. Chapter 2, verse 19 You'll remember that the brother of Jared and his company have gotten to this ocean that they need to cross. They have already built barges before, but as they think about crossing this ocean, the brother of Jared approaches the Lord with three specific problems in verse 19. He says, O Lord, in them, meaning in his barges, there is no light. That's the first problem. There's no light. The second whither shall we steer? There's no way to steer these barges. And also we shall perish, for in them we cannot breathe. So three problems the brother of Jared has with these barges. There's no light, there's no way to steer, and there's no way to breathe. Those three questions are answered in three different and distinct ways by the Lord. Um, and I think it's instructive for us because I believe that the Lord answers us often in different ways, depending on our abilities, depending on the circumstances, and depending on the questions. So answer number one to question number three. The last question the brother of Jared says is we don't have any way to breathe. To this, the Lord uses a very well-known pattern in the scriptures. Um, in verse 20, he gives the brother of Jared a specific list of commandments. Um, make a hole in the top, make a hole in the bottle, in the bottom, um, and unplug the holes when you need air. In verse 21, it just says the brother of Jared did so according as the Lord had commanded. And so answer number one, if we have a question of the Lord, one way that I believe he provides revelation is he gives us commandments, either in the scriptures themselves, or in the promptings and impressions that come to us, or through the words of others, those commandments, that if we are to follow those commandments, will provide us the, the answer to our question, the solution we're seeking. Well, and I like that you brought up the commandments as part of an answer for this, because sometimes we already have the answer. Mm. I don't know what their engineering skills were, or what they were doing back then, but it seems like a pretty simple answer. And sometimes the answers that God has for us are pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Like maybe one example that I can use for myself is um, kneel when you pray. That's a very simple answer, and it's a tried and true answer that people have been using for many, many years. Um, but something that I've felt like I need to be a little more, put a little more effort into. And maybe that's what this, this I don't know, I like thinking of it that way. Well, and that's a good point because I think 
I've heard people, and, and maybe you have too, that complain about reading the scriptures or complain about general conference, that it's just the same old things. They're giving the same talks mm. and the same commandments and the same. And to some degree, that's true. I'm on a current um, little obsession in reading uh, old general conference talks. I just started in the 1971 uh, April conference. That's the first one that's on the Gospel Library app. And largely, the addresses from 50 years ago sound very similar to the addresses from today. The, the answers that are being provided are simple, they're basic, and they're related to the, the eternal commandments of God. But it shouldn't surprise us that things are simple and basic and repeated because some of the answers to life's biggest questions have already been given and just need to be reemphasized. And I think we can learn too from from the brother of Jared. It just says, verse 21, and it came to pass that the brother of Jared did so according as the Lord had commanded. Mm -hmm. I want to jump to the third answer that the Lord gives. We'll come back to the second question and the second answer. But this third answer the Lord gives, I think is a mirror of the first answer he gives. In the first answer, the Lord says, I will tell you what to do. You go and do it, and that will solve your problem. But in the third answer, the Lord says this. This is the middle of verse 25, the second sentence. He says, therefore, this is the Lord speaking, therefore, what will ye that I should prepare for you that you may have light when you're swallowed up in the depths of the sea? In other words, this isn't let me tell you what to do and you go do it. This is you ponder the problem and then come to me with your proposed solution and I will help and guide you. Now, this is probably the most famous and well-known answer because it's the experience that the brother of Jared has. He sees the finger of the Lord touching the stones that he'll bring. He sees the Lord himself, his person, his, his uh, pre-mortal body. And then at the end of the chapter, he sees everything, the whole history of the world and all the inhabitants thereof, all because he puts in this effort on this uh, third question and, and or third answer. But there's something that stood out to me this time. I did a little bit of digging. Um, I've loved, or I love the brother of Jared's answer that he comes up with, but I was curious where he got the idea from. Uh, the idea of just having 16 stones and asking God to touch the stones so that they would glow seems like such a far-fetched solution that I wondered if the brother of Jared had come up with it somewhere else. Uh, now, this isn't gospel. It could be just that he came up with it. We don't know. But there are a couple of hints at where the brother of Jared might have gotten that, not the least of which is in Chapter 6, verse 7, Mormon, who's narrating, draws a comparison between this story of the brother of Jared and the story of Noah in the Old Testament. He just says in verse 7, came to pass that when they were buried in the deep, and there was no water that could hurt them, their vessels being tight like unto a dish, and also they were tight like unto the ark of Noah. Therefore, when they were encompassed about by many waters, they did cry unto the Lord, and he did bring them forth again upon the top of the waters. Mormon sees a connection or Moroni, sorry, sees a connection between this story and the story of Noah. And if you go to that story of Noah, uh, it mentions in the ark that there were windows. But I had heard someone previously point this out, and so I researched it. In the Babylonian Talmud, um, there are some ancient Jewish traditions that explain what those windows are. So I'm just reading, here's an excerpt from the Babylonian Talmud. The Lord instructed Noah to set therein, meaning in the ark, precious stones and jewels so that they may give their light bright as the noon. 
uh, in the Midrash. During the whole 12 months that Noah was in the ark, he did not require the light of the sun by day or the light of the moon by night, but he had a polished gem which he hung up. It could be that as the brother of Jared is wrestling with how to solve this problem, what he will bring to the Lord as a solution, uh, it could be that he turned to the experiences of those in his own family history, previous prophets and previous uh, believers, and that the example he found was this example of Noah, who had had this, these answers to the darkness in his, own, in his own ark. And this just makes me excited. I mean, it turns, again, he's turning to the scriptures. He's turning to other sources as part of this revelation process, which I think is really fun. Well, and I think helpful for us too. Um, maybe in both of these, there's a similarity, the first answer and the second answer. But um, I've often thought when I ask God a question, um, I have this thought, voice, picture, image in my head where he essentially holds up the scriptures and said, I've already given you the answers. If you'll just go look for them, I've already given you the answers. And I wonder if this is something something similar. Yeah. The second question, the second answer this time through was my favorite. And it's one that um, I haven't focused on previously. In fact, it's the one I've usually skipped over. The second question the brother of Jared asks is, what, whither shall we steer? How are we going to get to where we need to go? And this is my favorite answer because to this one, the Lord doesn't provide instructions that the brother of Jared is supposed to follow and he doesn't request the brother of Jared to come up with an answer. He just says this, I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea for the winds have gone forth out of my mouth and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. And behold, I prepare you against these things for you cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea and the winds which have gone forth and the floods which shall come. I love that the second answer the Lord gives is just simply, I'll take care of you. I control the winds and the waves and all things. And if you will just trust me, get into this barge, this boat, and trust me, I will lead you where you need to go. And I think this isn't an uncommon answer. If you think back, I've been reading some stories in the New Testament again recently, and this isn't a new thing that Jesus teaches. He, I mean, I think recently, Zach, you've talked about Jesus sleeping on the pillow when mm. the waves are crashing upon their ship and the story of Jesus walking on water and saying, you can do this too. Come, come to me. Mm. Um, and when we worry too much about what's beneath us and what's all around us or the wind, sometimes it makes us sink. And, and then, of course, the famous verse of consider the lilies. I take care of the flowers. I take care of the birds. I will be there to take care of you. And I think this is another really cool example of that, of I'm going to be there. So just, just be aware of me and I'll take care of you. I like these three answers because um, as we seek to identify and understand the Lord's answers to us in our life, to our crying out to him or our calling out for help, um, I think it's helpful to see that he responds in different ways at different times. And if we are too narrow uh, 
in our perspective too myopic, as President Nelson said. We may miss what he's doing. And so the first question that we mentioned with this study that I think is so helpful is what can I do to put myself in a position like the brother of Jared did, where I can receive revelation? The second question is, in what ways is the Lord answering my questions? Is he providing me commandments and instructions that he expects me to follow? Do I feel a prompting to study a particular scripture block or to listen to general conference talks that might give me the commandments and the instructions that I need? Is he instead uh, asking me to study and to ponder and to wrestle with the answers and then to bring them to him in prayer and receive his approbation and his continued guidance? Or are there answers that he's just going to give, things that he's just going to provide because of who he is and, uh, and what he wants to do for us? And I think it's a beautiful thing to recognize that we can not only receive answers in so many different ways, but it's exciting to think of the ways that we can explore how God talks to each one of us and that we get this chance to seek him and learn from him. Well, if we can, let's end back in chapter one. Um, this is something I noticed just as we were sitting down to record. Um, again, I love chapter two and chapter three, but I know that in my own experience, sometimes when I get so focused on one or two chapters, I miss some of the things that are in the other chapters. Um, earlier this week, as I was preparing for this, I, I've had this question before, but I wasn't as diligent in trying to find the answer as I was this time. But I was just wondering, okay, the brother of Jared seems like this huge scriptural hero. How come he doesn't have a name? Why isn't he named? And I read a couple of different possible answers to that. Um, one of them that seems fairly likely is that this is a very old text that Moroni is drawing from. Moroni is narrating, but it's a very old text. And in those old texts, a lot of times, the names, the people that were named, were only the legal authoritative line of the kings. And so that's why um, you hear about, uh, you know, David, Solomon, and the names of the kings, because it focuses on them. You don't hear about David's brothers as much, even though they are named. Um, and so it could just be that the brother of Jared wasn't named in the account, but Moroni chooses to focus on him because he finds so much utility in the story for us as his modern day readers. That could be it. But there's another thought uh, that was proposed that I thought was interesting and somewhat captivating. And it just, the thought was that maybe the brother of Jared isn't named either in the original text or in Moroni's explanation. Because as happens sometimes in scriptures, when a name is left out, uh, it can be a more universal symbol for someone else. Think about this. This story is about a man named Jared whose family is in danger and in trouble from these external forces. And so he calls out to his brother for help. And his brother is the means by which this man and his family are saved. And if you read it that way, this story becomes a beautiful symbol for the involvement of the Savior in our lives and helping us. Now, whether that symbolic reading is accurate or not, this is. In chapter 1, Jared has three problems. And I've never noticed these before. The first problem is that the lang his language and the language of his family is going to be confounded. 
The second problem is that the language of his friends is going to be confounded. And the third problem is he senses that they're going to be driven out of the land and doesn't know where they're going to go. This time, the Lord answers all three problems in the exact same way. In fact, the language is almost identical. So listen to answer number one. It came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, and the Lord had compassion upon Jared. Therefore, he did not confound the language of Jared. Listen to answer two. It came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, and the Lord had compassion upon the friends and their families, and that they were not confounded. And here's answer three. It came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord, according to that which had been spoken by the mouth of Jared. And it came to pass that the Lord did hear the brother of Jared and had compassion on him. Whatever ways God chooses to answer our questions and to provide us answers, I do know that it is always filled with compassion. This Lord who provides answers here is the same Lord that was moved with compassion in the New Testament to heal and to help and to guide and to, and to help. And so um, as you study this week and ponder your own efforts to receive revelation and as you reflect on God's involvement in your life, an undergirding truth to remember is that no matter what, the Lord is compassionate and does hear us and answer us even when things seem kind of confusing around us. Thank you so much for studying with us this week. We hope that this is the beginning of a wonderful study for you and we're excited to see you next week.